If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a social media expert, award-winning international speaker, TEDx speaker, trainer, podcast, author, and business owner, Teresa Heath-Waring works with businesses, entrepreneurs, and marketers to help them enhance their digital marketing and social media efforts. She's recognized alongside some of the world's social media and digital marketing thought leaders and is widely regarded as one of the United Kingdom's leading marketing influencers. Teresa has spent the last 15 years in marketing, working with international brands such as Land Rover, Jaguar, Right Move and Lead Pages. She speaks and trains business owners and marketers all over the world, as well as in her online membership, the Marketing That Converts Academy. Teresa hosts a weekly podcast called Marketing That Converts and has interviewed the likes of Amy Porterfield, Pat Flynn, Michael Hyatt, and many more giants in the digital marketing and social media space. All the way from Shropshire, England, Teresa, what an absolute pleasure it is to welcome you to the show, and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's fabulous to be here. I love it when I interview fellow Brits. It just sort of makes me feel as if I'm back home again. Teresa, we're in a super fast technological world. And it is so easy for us to get confused and overwhelmed with what to do and how to do it. Let me ask you, oh, Sage One, what advice can you offer our listeners? I think the important thing is to stay focused on you and in your lane. I think what often happens in the digital marketing space is we see all these new technologies and these new things coming out in these new platforms. You know, someone asked me just the other day, am I going to go on TikTok soon? And it's like, do you know what? You can't do it all. And I think that's the problem. I think everybody thinks they should be doing everything. And the people they tend to look to or the people they tend to watch are doing everything. But you've got to remember, they're not at the same position as you. And therefore, they've probably got a team around them. They've probably learned how to fit it all in over the years but they didn't start that way. So my advice in terms of the overwhelm is stay small, pick one or two platforms that you know you like to do. Because if you like to go on Twitter or if you like Instagram, that's going to be a whole lot easier for you to do when using it for your business. And only do one or two platforms. Don't feel like you need to be on everything, but absolutely kill those two platforms. Be really, really good at them. Be really consistent on them and show up every day. But don't try and overstretch yourself with everything. And don't get swayed with the, oh gosh, I must suddenly now start doing this and I must do this. Stick with that kind of one or two things that you know you can do really, really well. And that's wonderful advice because, yes, stay small, stay focused in your lane, which to me, I understand as 
your niche market or your niche market and knowing what your audience, where they go to, what platforms they use. I'm sure you get that all the time that people say, you know, well, what platform shall I be on? And it's those two answers, really. Answer number one, you've got to enjoy doing it because otherwise it's going to be really difficult for you to be on that platform. And answer number two is your customers need to be there because if they're not there, again, it's going to be pointless you being on it. Your favorite platform might be TikTok, but if you're trying to target a more professional type audience, then the chances are that's not going to be right for you. Yes, because it's TikTok today and it's going to be something else tomorrow. Yes, sure. Yes. But when we think of platforms, what comes to mind for me is primarily Facebook, LinkedIn, maybe Twitter. Those are the giants. Would you agree? Yes. So really the top four are in in order of size as it stands at the moment is Facebook, then Instagram. And Instagram is owned by Facebook, which is why it's had such a quick succession to overtake the others. And then normally vying for that third, fourth place is either LinkedIn or Twitter. And to be honest, they're pretty close in terms of size. But LinkedIn at the moment is a great place to be. It's kind of giving you that amazing reach that you used to get on Facebook that you now don't get so well. So For me, if I was going to do them in order, Facebook is still the biggest, although organically it doesn't give you a whole lot. So unless you're advertising, it probably isn't going to be the one I would put all my time in. For me, it's things like Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter are perfect. One of the things you said earlier, in fact, you've said it a couple of times, is that you should enjoy the platform that you work on. What happens if you don't enjoy it? (laughs) Oh man, it just makes your life a whole lot harder. And I get this a lot when I'm, especially when I'm training, perhaps people who didn't grow up with social media, neither did I, but when you grow up with it or when you use it all the time, it becomes second nature. And it is almost like trying to teach people a foreign language. And often the problem I get is when I speak to someone or someone in the academy comes in and I have this lovely lady who's I would guess is probably mid fifties and she's coming in, she's trying to learn social media. And the problem is she just doesn't like it. It, She doesn't have her own social media. She doesn't do her own stuff. So trying to get her to, to really embrace it and do it is difficult, which is why I say, try and find something you love because the one that people get the most stuck with is Twitter. Now I love Twitter. I think it's a great platform. I really enjoy the engagement you can get on it, but if you just can't get to grips with it, then you're going to spend way too much time when actually you could just be posting pictures or doing something different on another platform and it feel much more easy to do. And therefore, there's less resistance. One of the things that I resist personally is the fact that I think it's such a time suck and remembering to actually post on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. I've never used Instagram and some of my audience are going to go, oh oh, no. But (laughs) how do you get over this whole thinking that you've got to do it a certain time and you don't get too carried away with it? How would you answer that? Yeah. So basically, I think the key to this is you've got to be organized and it takes time to be organized and it takes a routine and you have to get into it. But basically, we now have it down to a T. And we have an agency side of the business. Well, it was much, much bigger a while back. And now we've focused on the more academy and online side of the business. But 
obviously doing social media for other people meant that we had to be super organized. Basically, for my own social media, I schedule pretty much everything. I obviously go on and do the natural conversations and I go into the platform several times a day. And when I say several, for me, it's obviously a lot more than several. But let's say you're sat out there and you're listening to this. Really, what you want to be doing is scheduling your posts. And obviously, you're going to have organic stuff, i.e. stuff that just comes up and you think, wow, amazing sunset or brilliant event or whatever that you need to post. And that's fine because that's when you're going to have something to say. But in the meantime, you need some things scheduled so that if you do get tied up in your day, if you do get busy or nothing happens, because sometimes we just sit at our desk all day and that's not a very exciting social media day, that you've always got something going out. And then what we do in the business is we literally put it in our diary at 8 a.m., 12 p.m., 4 p.m., maybe 7 p.m. to go and check these platforms. And that's when we will do the kind of interaction side. We try not to get distracted by the feed. We try not to get distracted by stuff. We go in, we check notifications, we reply to people, we comment on a couple of things, and then we come out again. When you enjoy it, it makes that easier too, because I tend to go into Instagram for fun anyway, and then I just happen to be doing my social media for my business. I think it's about scheduling and it's about selecting some times in the day where you're going to do it. But literally 10 minutes, go in, check those things, come out again. Don't get distracted. Don't start scrolling through the feed. If you want to sit down in an evening with a glass of wine and do that, then great. That's the time to do it, but not when you're trying to do it for business. That begs the question, how often? I mean, you mentioned three, four times for you, but that's your business. If it was somebody who obviously it wasn't their business, how often would you say is a minimum and maybe a maximum? It's more about consistency. If you say you're going to be consistent, I want to see that consistency and the platform wants to see that consistency. If you can only show up, and when I say show up, I mean post. If you can only post, I don't know, every other day, then that's fine as long as you're consistent every other day. I would say though, if I was giving you a guide, I would say that ideally you want to be posting daily on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And that's in the feed. So that's the kind of you're putting a post up. Now, things like Twitter is so fast moving that, and when you said maximum, you couldn't really have a maximum on Twitter. I mean, not that someone humanly possible could do, but I probably do about seven tweets a day. And that's just the scheduled stuff. That's not me going on and talking or responding, which obviously is also classed as tweets. But really, in terms of Twitter, you would struggle to hit a maximum on there, if I'm honest. Again, minimum, if you can only do one post a day, you can only do one post a day. But what you've got to realize is that obviously, in terms of getting any traction, it's going to be harder on something like Twitter. And then you've got stories. So Instagram stories are a great thing to do at the moment. It's a very popular. I tend to get a lot more eyes and interaction on my stories than I do on my posts that I put up on Instagram. Stories, again, they're kind of endless. If you can do one a day, brilliant. Some days I probably do eight stories. Other days I do one or two. Some days I don't do any, but I try and consistently post at least three or four a day. But that's the organic stuff. So that is literally me sat in my office doing something to camera and you don't have to be on camera if you're sat there thinking, I don't want to do that. It could just be me going, have you checked out the new podcast episode this week? It's really good. I talk about this, or it could be an image, or it could be something that I've taken a photo of. 
really, in terms of posting, it's about the consistency. So don't overcommit yourself to say, I'm going to post three times a day on LinkedIn when you can't actually manage it. Yeah, probably once a day on all the main platforms is probably going to be okay. On LinkedIn, you could sort of miss out a weekend if you wanted to. You could just do it Monday to Friday. But ideally, it's about if you schedule those posts, then it shouldn't feel like that's a huge amount. Instagram, stories. Talk to us. What does a story consist of? On Instagram, there are two ways in which you can post that you can put content out there. One is the feed. And that is as you're looking at Instagram, that's the thing you scroll up or scroll down on. And it's the square pictures. And it's just someone's taking a picture, put some comments on it, taking a picture, put some comments on it. And that's the feed. The stories are at the top of the platform when you're looking at it. And they're people's pictures, their profile pictures with a kind of multicolored circle around it. And what they are are very short, 15 second clips of things. Now, my stories will be anything from me talking to camera and then me showing you stuff, maybe an image that I've created to put there, maybe something I've taken a photo of. The other thing that's really good on stories is often if I do an event, because I speak a lot, people will tag me in the stories and because they tag me, I can share it on my story. Your story is kind of your real life. It's kind of your almost like micro blogging, like following you around and what you're doing on your day or sort of the more unpolished version of Instagram because the feed in Instagram should be aspirational, should be lifestyle should be, it's a very aspirational platform that people want to look at things that they think, oh yeah, I'd love that. Or I want to live like that, or I want a house like that. Or So therefore the feed, the pictures that you're posting should be kind of the nice pictures. And then your stories tend to be a bit more real and a bit more authentic. Not that your posts aren't authentic, but authentic in the sense of today I put a post up on my stories and my hair's scraped back and I've got a hoodie on and I'm talking about the fact that I'm sat in the office today. So therefore I'm not all dressed up and looking ready to go type thing. How about tools? Are there certain tools that we could use that would make our life easier? Absolutely. And I think half the overwhelm comes up. There are millions of them out there. Really for me, it's about, I like simple things. I joke that I like a simple life as easy as possible. So I don't want to overcomplicate things. I use a scheduling tool or have used a scheduling tool called Buffer. And that's the one I would say to start using. It's very simple, very straightforward. There's a free version. And then when you do pay, it's like $10 a month or $15 a month or something. And that is a scheduler. You basically go and put your posts in there. You can connect all your accounts. So you can connect your Facebook and your Instagram and your LinkedIn and your Twitter. And you can basically create the post and tell it when you want it to go out. And it will schedule that for you. I now use a system called Agora Pulse, which is much more fancy, I suppose. It's a lot more money than Buffer. But I use Agora Pulse because it does some other really cool things and reporting and you can schedule quite a lot of stuff over lots of different platforms. It just depends where you are. But if you're just getting started, then Buffer's a really, really good tool. If not, Agora Pulse is a really good one if you're ready to take the next step. And then the other tool that I talk about all the time and I love is Canva. One thing that obviously people need is when they're creating social media content is you're going to want some kind of video or image or something there with your post. For me, Canva is an amazing tool. 
there's a free version, there's a cheap paid version. The paid version just has a couple of extra facilities that the free version doesn't have. But you don't need to start with the paid. You can start with the free. It's amazing. And you can create lovely graphics to go on social media. There's lots of tools in terms of ideas on there as well. So if you're not creatively minded, then they can help you with that as well because they give you lots of ideas and inspiration. Really, especially if you're getting started, those are my kind of go-to tools. Yes, I love Canva. Uh, it's something that I've I've used on a regular basis. So I would agree with you. They really make it very easy and they've got all the different templates for what you need. And yeah, yeah it's a really great go-to tools. Teresa, how about mistakes that you see many of us make in the social <laughs> media world? There are a few mistakes that people make, but Really, for me, the key one is that they are using social media as a way to shout at the world. They're seeing it as a, this is somewhere to advertise our wares and our products and our services, which it's not. Obviously, there is that element that you can use that. But really, in truth, social media is a conversation. It's a conversation platform between you and your audience. And it should be somewhere where you're bringing your audience together and having that conversation with them. So not only do you put stuff out there that they might want to see, so add value, give them some value, but also speak to them and talk to them and comment on their stuff. Don't sort of make it look to them like you're literally just out for yourself. So the kind of interaction is really important. And then the other thing that kind of comes hand in hand in that, but another big mistake that people make is that when people comment on your stuff, so if you're lucky enough that someone has seen it and gone to the effort of commenting on it or tagging you in something that is genuine, and then they don't do anything with it. And it's like someone is advertising you for free. Someone is appreciating you and what you do by telling the world on their social that you're brilliant. The least we can do is respond and comment and thank and have a conversation with them. Because what will happen is the more that people know you do that, the more they'll tag you in, the more they will talk to you because they know that you're not just out there just to promote your own stuff. I think it's about thinking that there's a human on the other end of this communication and what do they want to see, what do they want to hear, and what conversation you can have with them. I think that's very valuable. And I've heard that before, that people think that it's an opportunity to, yeah, look at me. I'm so great. I've got a book. I've got uh, an audible or whatever they have out there. And they're just talking about themselves rather than other people. And that's when you really gain more, say, brownie points. (laughs) Yeah. And in truth, you find out about your audience. You find out really valuable stuff that can help you going forward. And you turn that audience into people who love what you do and they're followers for life then. You know, they will engage with all your stuff. They like all your stuff. They're going to become your biggest fans. So always have that conversation. Talk to us more about that and how can we keep that going? Because let's say if we're going to post daily and we're having a conversation or we want to find out more about our target audience, what would you recommend? How would you go about doing that? A couple of ways you can do it. The first one you want to do, which is I suppose one of the easiest ways, is when you post, give them a reason to respond. Basically, the social media platforms you're on, all of them live and die on engagement. 
if you're not getting engagement, your stuff isn't being seen. So you want to encourage that engagement as much as possible. And one of the ways in which you can do that is giving them a reason to respond. It might be you're asking for their opinion. It might be you're asking them directly a question. It might be that you're saying, this is what I've done. How do you deal in this situation? Or what do you think of this? Basically, I always try and include some kind of way in which they can respond in every post I put out there, just so that you can get that conversation going. And then the other thing that you can do is you can go and find your audience. Now, this is much harder to do on Facebook because the platform just isn't built this way. But on Instagram and Twitter, which is why I love those two so much, I can actually go and find or search on a hashtag or search on a keyword of what my audience might be. Let's say I know that a lot of my audience are business owners that are maybe mums. If I looked, I mean, the term mumpreneur is massive on social media, so that would be a very big one to start with. So I perhaps wouldn't recommend that. Let's say I did look at that term, then I might want to have a look at people who are using that hashtag. And then I might want to go and comment on their things or share it or retweet it or have a conversation with them. So I'm actually going out and finding my audience using things like hashtags, using things like social media platforms or social media accounts that I know my audience would be interested in. For instance, if you were, I always use the wedding idea. So basically, if you're a wedding photographer, you might go and find someone who's a wedding florist and comment on their stuff or go and see who's following them because the chances are if the customer's interested in a florist, they're interested in a potential photographer. It's about going out and doing that physical outreach, which obviously takes a bit more work and time, but the very least you can do in your posts is ask people to respond and say, what do you think? A few things that you've mentioned, one of them I'd like to hone in more on is this whole idea of hashtags. How do you know what the right hashtag to use is? There's a few different ways you can do this. Think about what your customers are putting up as hashtags. If you have customers already, if you have followers already, go and look at their stuff. Go to their account, are they on Instagram, or if they're doing it on Twitter, and see what words that they might be hashtagging. But basically, what you're trying to do is you're trying to think of the words that describe your ideal customer. If you're writing a book on marketing or on social media, then you might find that your customers are using hashtag social media manager or whatever it is. You're trying to think of the hashtags that your customers are using rather than you, because often people use their own hashtags and search for that. And the only people using those hashtags are competitors and people in their industry. So think about what those people are going to be using, but it's keywords. That's all it is. And hashtag is just a way to bring all those people together and find a common theme. But like I said, looking at other people's stuff, looking at what your competitors are putting up as well, are a really good ways to think about those hashtags. What are your thoughts on advertising, particularly Facebook advertising? I am a big fan of Facebook advertising. Now, I said earlier that Facebook organically is not very good. And what I mean by that is if you're not paying, your reach is not very good. Therefore, the people who are seeing your posts is not great. Now, if it's working for you, then by all means, carry on. Please don't take my advice. There's always exceptions to the rule. And someone might have a Facebook account and Facebook page that's working brilliantly for them and therefore carry on. However, for the majority of us, our reach is really low. But what Facebook knows about us is kind of terrifying and amazing. Therefore, if I do want to advertise, 
I can advertise to people who are my audience because they have such great criteria for searching for your audience. Therefore, you can find people who are interested in particular things, who like doing particular things. That's the one thing that's really good. The other thing that Facebook have got that's amazing is they have things like remarketing ads. You can actually put a bit of code on your website and then you can remarket back to people who visited your site. If someone's looking at your site, then you can basically send them an advert that then tries to encourage them to do something. Often where I see businesses going wrong using Facebook ads is they're basically asking a first date to marry them. What I mean by this is you're putting an advert out, you're putting it to a cold audience, these people don't know who you are, and you're basically saying, buy my stuff. The chances of someone seeing an advert on Facebook and immediately going to buy are slim to none. Then people think, or the, the person putting the ad out thinks, well, they don't work. And they do work, but you need to warm that audience up. You need to take them on a first date and a second date and a third date, and then eventually maybe you know try and get them to meet your parents and then eventually say, will you marry me? Whereas people jump too quick into buy my stuff. They don't do the warming up bit first, but as ads go, I think they're great. And they've been very successful for me in building my audience. Fabulous. I know our listeners are probably chomping at the bit to find out more about how they can get in touch with you and learn more about what you have to offer. Go ahead, tell us. If you just head along to TeresaHeathWaring.com, then you can find out all about different things that I offer. If you just search Teresa Heath Waring on your favorite platform, I will be there. And please come and reach out and say hi and send me a direct message or comment on something and I will always respond back. So I can't wait to hear from you. Lovely. And I'll put that in the show notes, Teresa, so people who are listening to this as they're jogging or driving can see that and find that for themselves. And by the way, that's how I found Teresa, that I went in and looked at a, a free, I don't know, what was it? A little webinar that she had. Yeah. And I was just blown away with just the simplicity and just, she just made sense. <laughs> she does make Thank sense you. to me. So anybody who makes sense, I'm like in awe of. So great. Thank you. And Teresa, if you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be? For me, it's about being brave and putting yourself out there. People get really nervous to put themselves out there on social media. They don't want to be on camera. They don't want to use their photos because they're terrified that someone is going to say something horrible. And don't get me wrong, it can and has happened and I have been trolled, but it's actually quite rare and the chances of people seeing your stuff in the first place is difficult enough that the chances of people saying something or doing something is really, really slim. And all I want them to think about is if you get to help someone or you get to build a relationship with someone that really needs you, then who cares what someone who doesn't like you thinks? That's very much up to them. And they're obviously not for you. So be brave and put yourself out there. Be brave and do what most of the authors that we have listening want to do, and that is to help people. It sounds as if this is a great way to do that. Teresa, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. It's been amazing. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you 
much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.